So the reading is from Ruth chapter 2, and it's verses 1 to 23, and it's on page 267 of your Bibles. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughters. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Moaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the the men not to lay a hand on you. And wherever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. 
she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish the harvest, harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Thank you very much to please Sophia and Mandy. I wonder how many of us have ever felt a little bit bitter towards God. Probably a little bit how Naomi was feeling at the start of today's passage, a little bit bitter towards God. Maybe we feel like, well, we believed in him for a long time, trusted in him, followed him, served him, sacrificed for him, even suffered for him. But for what? For what reward? Maybe a distant future reward, but what now? It's very easy to fall into feeling bitter towards God in the moment. Well, Naomi, as I say, was very likely feeling in that particular way, having lost her husband, having lost her two sons, um, having uh, had to come back to a country she'd left ten years ago uh, to find um, sustenance, and having been left with just a foreign daughter-in-law. But her attitude was to change for very good reason during today's passage, and we will follow that ourselves. Ruth, perhaps, likewise, might have been feeling a little bit better as well about um, having made the journey to Israel from her home uh, country of Moab, and uh, not entirely sure what to expect. But she encountered wonderful blessing. And we read just now the blessing given by Boaz, in verse 12 of the reading. Have a look again at that verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. As we'll see, those are words not just for Ruth, but also for us as well. Last week we started our series looking at Ruth. And we started off in chapter 1, setting the scene for the book to follow. We saw that it's a book taking us from the prehistory of Israel, the time of the judges, through to the time of the kingdom, the United Kingdom. It starts, uh, is set in the time of the judges, and ends on the note of King David at the end of the book. But it's also, as we saw, a very personal book, not just a book about politics, a book about Ruth herself. Uh, A Moabite widow who has travelled a long way with her mother-in-law, with Naomi, uh, to a foreign country and to an uncertain future. And this week we're introducing the the third uh, main character of the book. And he actually meets us in verse 1 of that reading. Naomi had a relative, verse 1 says, on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. In chapter 1, Ruth had been faced with a tough choice. Stay in Moab or go with Naomi to Israel. 
and we saw that she showed kindness towards her mother-in-law as well as faith in the God of Israel in deciding to make that journey, unlike her sister-in-law, to accompany Naomi to Israel. It was a courageous act because it was a very uncertain future she was going to in Israel, one that looks like it could involve social exclusion from the surrounding culture, economic marginalisation, an uncertain way of supporting herself, religious suspicion coming from Moab, coming from having worshipped the Moabite deities, and estrangement, of course, from her own family back in Moab, living a long way away, who she was unlikely to see, certainly on a regular basis in the future. Life, in other words, as an outsider. That's what she was going to with Naomi in Israel. But, as we see in verse 2, she had an optimistic attitude to her new circumstances. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Ruth was proposing to go gleaning, and the word gleaning does come up in other translations 12 times in this passage. That's what she was proposing to do in the fields of Israel in order to get something to live off uh, in this uh, new country that she was now finding herself in. The practice of gleaning was not just something that Ruth made up uh, on her own bat. It was an established practice in Israel, set out in Leviticus chapter 19. We do a couple of verses from there. When you reap the harvest of your land, the Lord told the Israelites, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Instead, leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. In other words, don't be too picky about getting absolutely everything out of your fields and out of your vineyards. Leave a little bit for the small guy. Leave a little bit for the alien and the outsider, as it puts it there, which is exactly the category, actually, that Ruth fell into. Very much an alien, very much an outsider, and therefore wonderfully a beneficiary of this Mosaic law. She was going to go gleaning. And she ends up in Boaz's bit of the fields around Bethlehem. Verse 3, she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. We've already heard that Boaz is from the clan of Elimelech, and it's emphasised there for us again. It's therefore evidently important, the family link that exists between Naomi and Ruth on the one hand, and Boaz on the other hand, who is of the clan of Elimelech, who was Naomi's deceased husband. Those sort of family links might be less important to us in the 21st century. Most of us probably don't know who our fifth cousin twice removed is or our fourth cousin once removed. Um, It's interesting to find out, but once found out, we don't tend to have a huge amount to do with such people. 
But those sort of links are very important in lots of other cultures, and not least in ancient Israel. Family links, very important. And because of that family link through Elimelech, this appearance of Boaz in the story is a wonderful sign of hope for Ruth and for us as readers. But Ruth is not presumptuous towards Boaz when she comes across him. She wasn't expecting things necessarily from him. She wasn't presuming on his kindness towards her in letting her continue to glean from his fields, even though it was there in the law. She wasn't going to take any of his kindness for granted. We see that in verse 7. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. The report of Boaz's workmen to their master. This is what she said. She said, please can I come and glean? Um, She didn't say, I have a right to glean. She didn't turn up Leviticus 19 from her pocket scroll and say, look here. It says you're meant to leave me a little bit on the edge. Uh, Let me come and have it. No, she just went there and requested, please, not expecting anything, but let me glean. But even though she expected nothing, Boaz did graciously give her kindness upon kindness. Many, many instances of his kindness recorded in this passage. So verse 8, he says, stay. Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Not only stay here, but also I'll give you protection. Verse 9. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. So provision, protection, and then also water as well. Verse 9b. Um, Whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. And then a few verses later, uh, she gets some food with them as well. So verse 14, there's wine and bread at mealtime. Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain as well. And she ate all she wanted. And then in verses 15 and 16, even more. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Boaz going far above and beyond anything he's expected to do, far above normal kindness even, uh, showing Ruth the generosity of spirits, uh, which entirely was not expected at the start of her day of gleaning from the field margins. We hear sometimes about uh, superhosts today. Uh, I think these days we associate the word superhost with somebody who's very experienced at owning an Airbnb apartment and knows exactly how to go about making the most cash out of letting it out and is very trusted to leave you the keys in the right place and stuff like that. But Boaz is more like a kind of uh, 11th century BC superhost in a slightly different sense. He shows overwhelming generosity to somebody turning up on his land out of the blue. Let me try to think about what a, a South Cambridgeshire 2022 version of Boaz might look like. 
uh, here in scientific South Cambridgeshire. Maybe it's somebody who owns a biomedical research lab on one of our research parks around here. And uh, there's a, a poor, destitute researcher who turns up in the area. And this uh, owner says to them, oh, please, come and have some lab space in, in, you know, on my science park. And you know, I give you a few offices and some breakout rooms and some uh, research laboratories and you know, a few parking spaces. You know, please come and have it. You know, I'll even extend the privilege of the private healthcare package that my company has to you, even though you're not actually on the payroll. Tell you what, I'll give you a company car as well, because it's you know tricky getting around South Cambridgeshire without one of those. Uh, actually, more than that, why don't you help yourself to the free staff canteen as well? And also, you've got one of these nice kind of employee juice bars as well. Just go there whenever you want to. Fill yourself up, please. Oh, actually, more than that. Why don't you have some shares in my company as well? You know, part ownership. Uh, you can pitch in. Overwhelmingly generous to an outsider, um, such that you probably wouldn't be able to know exactly what to say to all of that. They're probably uh, lying through their teeth about some of it. It sounds a little bit too good to be true. But Boaz wasn't. Uh, he was absolutely genuine in the generosity he was offering to Ruth. And so naturally, the question any of us would ask, if we're able to manage it at all, would be, why? Why are you showing this incredible generosity to me? And Ruth asks that in verse 10. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? The answer is that Boaz knows her situation. He knows the recent past that she's gone through. He knows and respects the actions that she's taken with respect to her mother-in-law, Naomi. He knows the step of faith that she's taken in being here. You see that in verse 11. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you have left your father and mother and your homeland and come to live with a people you did not know before. And then more than simply saying, I know this, I respect it, he also goes on to give a lovely prayer in verse 12 for Ruth's well-being, which we started off with. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May you have favour in his sight, Boaz says to Ruth. May you have more and much more richly provided to you. Ruth replies, May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servants, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. And so Ruth goes home, the end of the day. I don't know what Naomi was expecting in her slightly... Uh, grumpy mood. Uh, Just to remind you of that slightly grumpy mood from chapter one from last week. What was she saying? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. That's how she's feeling about God. The Lord's hand has gone out against me. And so she's probably sitting there at home having not gone out gleaning with Ruth, having Uh, crossed her arms and said, no, I'm staying here. I'm not quite so optimistic as you. Uh, Expecting very little by way of return. 
when her daughter-in-law came home at the end of the day. And yet Ruth brings home basket loads of grain from having gleaned. And so Naomi's interest is piqued, and she quizzes her about it in verse 19. Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And the answer, of course, comes, Ruth told her mother-in-law, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. And I'm sure at that, Naomi was further intrigued because she knew exactly who Boaz was. Verse 20, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, the man is a close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now, slightly more so than gleaning, uh, the concept of a guardian redeemer uh, is even more important to our understanding of Ruth. And so we're going to dip back again into the Mosaic Law to understand a little bit about that, this time from Deuteronomy chapter 25. Deuteronomy 25. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Some of us might uh, pull our noses up at the idea of that sort of uh, family going on. Um, These days, it would be somewhat frowned upon, I think, if uh, a man died and his brother married the widow. But in the ancient world, this was a very important way of protecting families. And in Ruth, we see the concept extended not just to the immediate brother of the dead man, but also to a near relative, as Boaz was, past the house of Elimelech. This is called Leverite marriage. Nothing to do with Levites, the priests. It's derived from the term lever, Latin for brother-in-law, hence Leverite marriage. And it was an established practice in Israel. This is a way of protecting a family name from being blotted out in a time of high mortality rates and the relative likelihood of men dying before um, having children. In Ruth's case, it's uh, a good news symbol because it means that there is a chance in this foreign land, in this place that she was not expecting much from, of having uh, prosperity again, enjoying the protection of a husband and of family. And Naomi is certainly pleased at the news that she's come across Boaz this kinsman redeemer. And doubtless, Ruth was pleased to see Naomi's reaction at the time. And they remained there, as we see at the end of the passage, for the end of the season, until the end of the wheat and barley harvests, continuing to glean, no doubt continuing to enjoy favour from Boaz, as he showed to Ruth on that first day. So the act of kindness that Ruth showed in chapter 1 has been, to some extent, repaid. The act of faith that she took in going with her mother-in-law to Israel has been blessed. That blessing pronounced over her by Boaz. She came with no expectations, no presumptions about what she was going to find in this new place. But gracious provision has been uh, provided to her. And not only provision materially and in terms of kindness but also the tantalising promise 
of further aid. Last week, we were talking about not all of us facing exactly the choice that Ruth faced, having to go with a mother-in-law to a foreign country, away from uh, all that we know. But nonetheless, all of us facing choices on a regular basis of the chance to show kindness, the chance to take steps of faith. And Ruth is a wonderful encouragement to us in spurring us on to such acts of kindness and acts of faith. Like her, though, having made those steps of kindness and faith, we can't be presumptuous about rewards that might appear in this life as a result. We can't be motivated primarily by that. Perhaps uh, think of the the long-standing Sunday school teacher. Uh, They wouldn't expect, uh, as a result of having week after week uh, put up with small children, uh, worked on lesson plans and uh, taught them and led them uh, in the village hall to necessarily get recognition uh, during their lifetime. They might well go unrecognised and unrewarded without an OBE, uh, without a standing ovation at some points, or even a thank you card. It's quite possible that Ruth went into Israel thinking you know what, I might have to endure exile in Israel for a very long time with very little or no recognition of what I've done for my mother-in-law, of what I'm doing in terms of my faith in the God of Israel. For us, being exiles in Israel, as it were, being a Christian, having stepped into this foreign land, that may well end up with us, likewise, having decades of no recognition, no applause for what we've done, the act of faith that we've shown. We may, in fact, end up with lower standards of life and less recognition and less thanks than if we'd devoted our time and our energy and our resources to more secular goods. Sometimes people do recognise us, not to be too glum about it. Sometimes We are seen for having done wonderful things in terms of acts of kindness, acts of faith. And in fact, just by way of encouragement, we can be the person who recognises that in others. We can be the person who does offer a kind word uh, and a word of thanks for what we see others doing. Or hold back from a harsh word uh, by way of reverse. We can be the ones who notice acts of faith going on around us and kindnesses shown to others, just as Boaz noticed in Ruth. We can be the ones, like Boaz, praying blessings over such people. We can be the ones showing kind deeds, and we don't necessarily need our own research lab in South Cambridgeshire to be able to give that. Uh, We all have the ability to do good to others. Uh, It's wonderful. There is actually a diocesan, uh, recognition system called the Ethel Dreeder Award, which some of you might have come across, where every two years it's possible to nominate uh, people from our parishes uh, who we know have done otherwise unrecognised um, good deeds or acts of faith and nominate them for receiving the Bishop's Ethel Dreeder Award, which I think he gives to about 10 people every couple of years. If you feel like doing that for somebody you know has been um, giving themselves over to good works. Uh, Recently, the next deadline for that, I think, is May 2024. 
But many will not be recognised in that way. Many will not be recognised in that sort of official format or the unofficial, smaller scale means. Many will persevere on without ever receiving words of thanks or acts of kindness for what they've done. And indeed, thousands of Christians die under persecution, unremembered, uncelebrated. Wonderfully, though, in the book of Ruth, there is the promise of a full reward for all Christians. I don't know if you noticed, as we read through and as we um, went through a bit more slowly again, the slightly priestly character of Boaz, the way he gives his blessing in verse 12, slightly priestly character to that, the elements he offers in verse 14, bread and wine, or wine vinegar as it has here, and of course the compassion he shows uh, over and above what's required by the law to an outcast, hints that this is not just a human deliverance going on here, but a divine deliverance. Boaz is a redeemer in Israelite law, but also an image of a greater redeemer in a spiritual realm. He is a type or figure of Christ for us. Jesus, like Boaz, was a worthy man, as Boaz is described in verse 1, man of standing. Jesus likewise takes note of the outcast and the foreigner uh, struggling in the world. He shows kindness upon kindness. Jesus gives provision to all, the water of life welling up to eternal life. And Jesus invites us to his table where are served bread and wine. As we read Boaz, we meditate on Jesus's kindness to us. That's a wonderful way to avoid the bitterness that we were talking about earlier on. Maybe some of the bitterness that we feel in our hearts like Naomi felt. She was not going gleaning. She was sitting at home feeling hard done by. But then she was wonderfully satisfied and lifted by Boaz's kindness. And she was glad enough in verse 20, in fact, to bless his name. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Well, there's a greater redeemer than Boaz who has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead and who is even more worthy of his name being blessed. When bitterness does creep into our hearts, often it's because we're dwelling far too much on our rights, our deserts, what we are owed. Instead, perhaps, we should be taking Ruth's attitude, taking those risks of faith, taking those steps of kindness without presumption, without expecting to be able to go and glean and get even more than that. But unlike her, we can also be sure of the redemption that we will have. We can think on the redemption that we've already enjoyed and that we will enjoy the further fruits of in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this book of Ruth and all it teaches us about ourselves and about you.
thank you for the redemption that you have given us in the Lord Jesus and what we learn of that through Boaz. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.